Praise the Lord. Wow, I've been talking in this kind of voice for, for a long time already. <laughs> so uh, it's been a physically a struggle for me for the last several weeks. Um, and you, you might be thinking it's the same problem. No, it's different. The first one was laryngitis. The second one was rhinovirus uh, infection. Then now it's asthma. <laughs> so I praise God for his strength and his uh, power. Um, before I pray, uh, I would like to pray through a prayer. Uh, it's not really a prayer, but a message by Paul uh, in Ephesians chapter 6. And it talks about the warfare that we Christians are experiencing on a regular basis. Then I'll send the youth off after this prayer. Um, oh, they're staying. Okay, okay. Um, okay. You know, I hear people coughing, so I'm not here alone. So all of us, I know this time of the year is a, really a struggle when the season, season changes. You know, I want to share a little testimony and, and, and just in relation to what God has been doing in my life, even in the midst of struggle. Um, you, know, you know, as a pastor, there's a lot of source of discouragement for pastors. Uh, you might be thinking that a pastor doesn't get discouraged. Uh, you're wrong on that, on that front. Uh, you know, if the church is not growing, it's a huge source of discouragement. discouragement. If people's lives are not changed and you're still behaving the same way you behaved 100 years ago or maybe 50 years ago, no, when you started in the church, it's a source of discouragement for pastors. And, and also, if the ministry is not growing, if something is not working according to you, what you desire to see uh, in ministry, it's a source of discouragement. Of course, um, and most of the time, it's really internal struggles, you know, doubts about yourself, about your competency, about your skill. And, and, and I know this is not true for pastors. This is true for many people in ministry. And sometimes you question, Lord, should I be in this ministry? Should I be doing this to begin with? You know, Lord, I kept on failing. I kept on not, you know, I end up doing the same kinds of sin. I, I struggle with the same kinds of sin for a while. Why is the ministry not progressing? Even though how I, I do my best to do well in this ministry, but why am I not doing well in my Christian life? Uh, you know, there's a lot of sources of discouragement. And, 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 and we need to remember also that we have an enemy. There is someone who, who's out there whose intention is to destroy your life. And as Christians, as pastor, as a pastor and as servants of the Lord, that's something that we need to be constantly aware of. That's why Paul reminds us of this. And the other day, I was in the, uh, in the restroom and I was just, you know, um, washing my face. And I, I, came, I, I, I just thought came to my mind, said, Lord, um, I said, Lord, should, should I be continually doing this? Is this something that I should be doing? Or it might be a good time for me to find another pastor. You know, it's not that I want to do it. Of course, I hope you don't get it the right, a wrong way. But it's a thought that comes to my mind. Or should I stop doing this ministry or whatever as a pastor? Maybe someone else might be better for the job. As quickly as the thought came to my mind. You know what the Lord told me in my, in my thought? This thought just came in, bang, came out this way. All I did not give up on Peter. He denied me, and I didn't give up on him. His failure wasn't, Jesus didn't give up on Peter when he failed. 
Because you know the reason why doesn't God does not give up on us, even in our weakness and failures? Because God is a faithful God. And He promised to be faithful even when we are faithless. He promised to be there for us, to be strong for us when we are weak. That's why it's amazing that, that Paul said that, you know, it is when we are weakest, we are strongest. It's really when we are weak, we are strong. And, and in fact, to remind us of the spiritual battle, battle we are in, remember what Jesus told Peter in, in Luke 22, 31 to 32. He said, Simon, Simon, Satan asked you to sift, asked to sift all of you as wheat. Meaning, Satan wanted to sift, Satan wanted to sift Peter as wheat. Uh, and, and I pray for you, Peter, for Simon, that your faith will not fail. Your faith will not fail. I hope I had that verse there. Um, so, so, Jesus didn't tell Peter, Peter, I'm going to stop Satan from attacking you. Or Peter, I'm going to stop, I'm going to remove Satan from you, and you can go on your way in your Christian walk. That's not what Jesus said. Jesus said, Satan is sifting you like wheat. Think of, you know, wheat when you put it through a sieve. Like, you know, you want to remove the, the clumps and, and you just want the fine flour. That's what, what Satan does to Christians. <laughs> he really rubs the wheat until you, you, you really struggle. You really go through some kind of struggle. But Jesus saying here, he didn't say, Peter, I'm going to remove Satan. He said, didn't say, I'm going to remove your problems or remove your sickness. You know what Jesus prayed for, Peter? That your faith may not fail. I think that's really what the Lord wants us to do when we are going to trials, that our faith, our trust in Christ will never fail. That you don't run away from ministry, that you don't give up when the going gets rough for you in your experience in Christ and in your personal relationship with Christ or ministry. That's why we need to pray for this. Let's pray for this. Ephesians chapter 6. I'm just going to one verse at a time. Lord, help us to be strong, Lord. Verse uh, 10. Help us to be strong, Lord God, in your power, Lord. That, Lord, we'll be as believers who really take on the full armor of God. That we will not cower, oh God. We will not be afraid of God. But we will stand our ground, Lord. Lord, the enemy, Lord, you know his task, his, his work, oh God. And, Lord, we just stand with you, Lord, and be confident in your promise, O oh God, upon each of us, Lord, that you are greater in us, Lord, than he that is in the world, Lord. You are far more greater than all the trials and struggles, even the sickness and suffering we experience, Lord. You're far more greater than he that is in the world, Lord. And, Lord, we are able to withstand his schemes and his attacks because you are with us, Lord. Even when we are discouraged, when, when lie after lie from the enemy is being hurled against us, Lord, we are able to stand our ground, Lord. Lord, because we believe that our struggle, Lord, is not against human beings, Lord. Our real enemy is not each other, Lord. It's not our spouse, Lord. So give us the strength to stand our ground against the spiritual forces of evil and darkness, O oh God, in this, in this world today, Lord. That is, that is at work, O oh God, in the people, O oh God, who are disobedient, Lord, who does not belong to you. And sometimes, Lord, he also works through our brothers and sisters who are not faithful, O oh God, with you, Lord. Lord, I pray also, Lord, that we will be strong in putting on the armor of God. Lord, that we will hold on to your word, hold on to righteousness, O oh God, hold on to the truth, O oh God. 
Hold on to our salvation, O God, that none of us, Lord, will doubt that we belong to Christ, that none of us will doubt that we are saved, O God. That, Lord, we will remain righteous in, in how we live our life each day. That we will confess our sins. That we will not let sin fester, O oh God. That we will not let sin, O oh God, dominate our mind, our bodies, O oh God, our thought life, our hearts, O oh God. And we will confess these things and reject anything, O oh God, that could harm our hearts. Because you have given us the breastplate of righteousness, Lord. And breastplate of righteousness protects our heart, O oh God. Now, whenever we allow sin to take over our lives, unforgiveness, anger, hatred in our hearts for someone, bitterness, Lord, we are opening up that armor, Lord, and letting Satan hit our hearts with those arrows, Lord. So, Lord, give us that courage and strength that we will never let our armor be compromised, Lord. That we will never let our righteousness, the breastplate of righteousness, be compromised, Lord. And help us also to have the, the feet, Lord God, fitted with the gospel of peace, O God. That we will always be ready, O God, to be there to, to, to preach your truth, to share your word, O God, to those who need to hear, Lord. And Lord, also, Lord, help us to use the shield of faith, O God. That we will always trust what you say and not what the world tells us, not what other people who does not know the truth tell us, Lord. They, they don't determine what is who we are and what we should be thinking and what we should believe about ourselves, Lord. Not even Satan, Lord. We should not believe him, O God, and what he says about us, Lord. Help us to believe and stand on the truth, O God. Lord, the shield of faith to trust what you say and to trust what you have revealed to us, Lord, and in nothing else, Lord. Lord, help us also to wield the, the, the sword of the Spirit, O oh God, which is your word, to know how to use the word of God in every situation, to defend ourselves, and Lord, to, 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 for offense as well, Lord God, or to go against the enemy, Lord God, and the works of the enemy. And Lord, as we... As we carry this armor, as we use this armor given to us, Lord. Lord, I pray that we will do what this passage commands us, Lord. That as we put on the full armor of God, Lord, we will kneel before you in prayer. That we will pray at all times, in all occasions, oh God, that this church, oh God, will be a praying church. Now, not just in the Sundays that we pray, Lord, not only in our prayer meeting, Lord, but the hearts of every member here will have a heart of prayer, will be a heart of prayer, Lord. Because this is how we battle against all these things that's against us, Lord. Lord, even the discouragement, even depression that some people might be going through right now, Lord, or loneliness. Lord God, I pray that we'll battle against these things through prayer, Lord God, because this is how we battle against the enemy, Lord, and destroy whatever he's trying to accomplish, Lord. The war happens on our knees, O oh God. And I pray that this church will, will, will wage war, O oh God, on their knees, O oh God. And Lord, help us to stand our ground. That we will not, Lord God, give up, Lord, whenever we go through difficult times, O oh God. That we will not run away from you. We will not run away from your word. We will not run away from this church. If we are committed to this church, we will not run away when, when things go rough and go di become difficult, Lord. And when ministry doesn't work the way we desire, Lord, Lord, I, know, I admit that I get discouraged and, and probably some of us get discouraged, Lord. But, Lord, 
Lord, you, 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 you are faithful, O oh God. And Lord, it is through this difficult and oftentimes discouraging situations that we grow, O oh God. Because when we learn to persevere, O oh God, we, are, we grow, our faith muscles grow, O oh God. Our, strength, our faith muscle strengthens, O oh God. And so Lord, help us to stand our ground. Stand our ground in this ministry. Let river life stand, O oh God. That no matter what will come in this church, what happens, oh God. I know there are many here who are sick. Lord God, we pray for healing. We ask for deliverance in the name of Jesus. For you said in your word that as we pray for those who are sick, oh God, a prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective, Lord. And you hear our prayers, oh God. And you tell us to confess, Lord, and to present all these needs before you, Lord. So, Lord, we present those who are going through difficult times right now physically, Lord, especially our sister Letty, Lord. Uh, and Lord, I also entrust unto you Rella's cousin who just lo lost a husband, Lord God, this past week, Lord. Comfort the entire family, Lord, even the children, Lord. And Lord, I entrust also unto you those who are sick today, whether it's asthma or allergy or whatever, Lord God, that's brought about by the season, that we will not be discouraged, oh God, while we will stand our ground that we'll remain faithful in our commitments towards you, Lord. Lord, bless our word as we come to study your word today, Lord God. Speak to our hearts, speak to our minds, and inspire us to obey, Lord God, in your power and strength. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Let's see my time. Okay. I'm going to go directly to the message because this, there's a lot of things I wanted to share today in relation to this. Uh, and... Our, our message today is in relation to the, to the filling of the Holy Spirit. And I wanted to talk about this because this is some kind of a mystery for me for a long time. And a mystery for many believers. What does it mean to be filled with the Spirit? So, uh, let me try to connect this back to our, to our topic in the last several weeks. And we've been talking about... Uh, We've been talking about remaining in Christ for the past several weeks. And, and in John 15, we are commanded as believers to remain in Christ. And the reason why we are to remain in Christ, because uh, it is true our remaining in Christ. You know, another word for remaining in Christ is to hold on to Him. It is through this that we are able to experience and live the life of Christ. You know, the life of Christ can flow, flow through you, His power, His holiness, His character, His purpose. You know, a branch cannot survive without the vine. A branch cannot survive without the trunk. You have to attach it to the vine. But once that branch cuts off, it gets, you know, once it's cut off, it dies, it withers. And so our task is to just stick to the vine. And that's what remaining is. You know, you, you hold on to Jesus. You keep on holding on to him so that once the branch is attached, it, life will go back to it and it will, able to, it will be able to be, you know, bear fruit. You know, the, a Christian can only accomplish God's purpose if he's holding on to Jesus. You know, Peter is a very good example of this because every time, he's, he's, every time Peter is with Jesus, he is able to do good things. Like, you remember walking on water? When Jesus was walking towards the boat and he saw Jesus up in the distance and said, Jesus, I want to I wanna walk on water. So, so he, he, he just went and walked on water. 
except for the time when he saw the waves and he got scared and so he, he sank. So, you know, Peter was really one of those disciples who always wants to be with Jesus all the, all the time. And every time he was with Jesus, he was able to do good things. There, were, there was a time when Jesus asked, uh, uh, who do you say I am? And, 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 all, and, and of course, Peter said, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. You know, Peter was able to say that because Jesus was with him. But the moment when Peter was separated from Jesus, when Jesus was put on trial on the night before he was crucified, Peter was warming his hands. You know what happened when he was separated from Jesus after a long time? He denied Jesus three times. Holding on to Christ is simply hanging out with Jesus on a moment-by-moment basis. That's it. You're being with him on a moment-by-moment basis. And this is what you find in Luke 9.23, that remaining in Christ is really what it means to carry the cross. Luke 9.23 tells us that we are to carry the cross daily. Daily. It's not a one-time deal. It's a daily kind of thing that you have to do. It's a moment-by-moment kind of thing when you carry the cross. And I know from our experience that the cross oftentimes to us, when we think of cross, we often think of suffering and sacrifice, which is true. But, but, but the cross is more than that. It's more than suffering and sacrifice. The cross of Jesus was God's purpose for Jesus, the Father's pur- purpose for Jesus. Um, it was his responsibility. It was what Jesus was willing to do. And Jesus voluntarily faced the cross. It was something voluntary on the part of Jesus. And, 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 and Jesus, by the way, he was not a victim, okay? Some people think that Jesus was a victim, a victim of a Jewish mob that just sort of pushed him towards the cross. But no, it was not that way. It was Jesus who, want, who, who planned this whole thing. This was part of everything that he wanted to do. That he'd be crucified because he said, I can lay down my life if I want but to lay down my life. And I can take it back again if I want to. Jesus can just decide by himself, right, what he wants to do. So, so he was not a victim there. And it, it was a sacrifice on the part of Jesus because he had to leave the comforts of heaven. Heaven was very comfortable. And, and now he had to come to earth. There was some kind of, we can say, self-denial of Jesus' part to deny the comforts of heaven just to be able to come here and, 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 and sacrifice himself. And so, if you apply this to our lives, you know, that sacrifice is, to, is the sacrifice of your goals, of your ambitions, of your lifestyle, the sacrifice of the routines that you have in life. You have to sacrifice certain habits. You have to sacrifice, you know, certain resources. Even your own life, if that what, that's what God requires. That's what one, of the, one, of, one side of what the cross means. And carrying the cross, that's the negative side of carrying the cross, meaning that's the side where you need to let go of certain things. But the positive side of the cross is to be able to carry the responsibilities of a believer. Now, you're that, you're, now that you are at Christians, you're not just supposed to sit down and do nothing and sit down at church on Sunday and listen to a sermon. That's not your main job, by the way. That's one of the things you need to do. But that's not your main job to go to church and listen to a sermon. Unfortunately, for many Christians, they think that the Christian life is just, I'm a Christian because I go to church, I listen to sermon, and nothing else. By the way, that's not your main job. We talked about this already several weeks, for a couple of weeks, that, that you are to commit your moment by moment every day to carry the cross, to obey Christ on a daily basis. 
Meaning the cross are your personal responsibilities as a Christian. There's a lot. We listed that already uh, in, the couple, in the last several, uh, on the sheet I gave you. But here's the reality. Here's the reality. And this is, where why, this is why I wanted to talk about the Holy Spirit. We cannot carry the cross on our own strength and ability. We cannot do it. I said that this was easy. Yes, this is easy. Cross carrying is easy than the fruit. You know, the fruit is something that God works in your life. The, the, the remaining and the holding on and the cross carrying part is, what is the thing that you need to do. And definitely it is easier than the fruit because the fruit is something you cannot do on your own. You cannot convert a person. You cannot force a person to believe in God. You cannot do that. But what you can do is share the gospel. That is easier. But even sharing the gospel, if it's done in your own power and strength, you can't do it. Even sharing the gospel. Even reading the Bible. Doing it in your own strength, you can't do it. That's why we need the Spirit. And, and whenever we do something out of our own strength, out of our own self-discipline, out of our own self-determination and will, you know what will happen? You will fail. Because the Christian life is not about self-determination and, and self-will. Because sometimes people think the Christian life, oh, I have to force myself to do this. I have to force myself to read the Bible. I have to force myself to go to church. It's not, it doesn't work that way. I hope you understand now that the Christian life does not work that way. It's not based on self-determination. There's something else. There's something else that God wants to do. And we just read this passage earlier. Um, the person without the Spirit does not accept the things that come from the Spirit of God, but considers them foolishness and cannot understand them because they are discerned only to the Spirit, through the Spirit. Therefore, even reading the Bible cannot be understood using your logical mind, using your intelligence. It cannot. It requires something else. That's why there are people who say, oh, I don't understand the Bible. It's so complicated. It confuses me. And the reason why they're confused and they feel it's complicated because they don't have the Spirit of God. It takes the Spirit of God to understand and discern even the Bible. How much more for the other things in the Christian life, even church? This church thing doesn't make sense for people who does not have the Spirit of God. This is foolishness to them. People are going to say, oh, you're just wasting your time going to church on Sunday. You're wasting your time in prayer. You're wasting your time in your Bible study. Because to them, it's foolishness. That's what this passage is saying. That the things of God without the Spirit is foolishness to people who don't have the Spirit, of course. In, other, in another translation, uh, if you look at the, the ESV, it says, it says there, sorry. Ah, Jim, can you, can you bring it up to that? Okay. It says there, the natural person. So, so in, 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 in NIV, it says, the, spirit, the person without the spirit. In ESV, it says, the natural person does not accept the things of the spirit of God. Now, this is very closer to us as believers. Because the thing is, you still have your natural person within you. Agree? Yeah. Did you commit a sin this morning? 
Yeah, maybe. This last week, you did say they did, did something bad last week? <laughs> it's evidence that you still carry the natural person because you're still human. You're still here. I can see, still see your faces. None of you are still glorified, right? You're, you're not, you don't have halos on your head yet. So that's a joke. <laughs> I don't. Um, so the truth is, even as believers, there is a tendency within us to not want to carry the cross. There's a tendency within us to think that the Bible is foolishness, that the church is foolishness. There's this tendency even within us as Christians to reject the things of God. And that's the battle we are constantly fighting against as Christians. So your old self, your human nature, your sinful self likes to reject the cross. Your new self in Christ, the new person, the new owl, the new Lloyd or the new Carlo embraces the cross. But the old owl would say, oh, I just want to sleep. I don't want to wake up. I don't want to do my devotion. I don't want to pray. I would rather sleep. I would rather, I don't want to share the gospel. So how do we solve this problem? How did God deal, how does God, or how will God deal with this in our lives? And how do we deal with this? And this is the answer. We are commanded to be filled with the Spirit. And what does this mean? Let's read this passage first. It says, do not get drunk with wine, which leads to debauchery. Instead, be filled with the Spirit. Let's, go on. Let's just focus on the last statement there. There's so much can be said about being drunk with wine. We don't have time to talk about being drunk here. But we are commanded... To be filled with the Spirit. And the reality is, the truth is, we cannot live the Christian life without the filling of the Spirit. We cannot. We cannot live the Christian life without the Spirit's guidance and leading. I'm going to talk about it more. But... Think of the Christian life as a car. God has, has already made you into this new car, but without the Spirit, it's like a car without, without fuel. Walang gasolina. No fuel. You can't carry the cross without the feeling of the Spirit. You will not be able to preach. You will not be able to serve. You will not be able to lead worship. You will not be able to overcome trials. You will not be able to overcome sin without the feeling of the Spirit. You will not be able to forgive people. You will not be able to love people without the feeling of the Spirit. Remember, because the things of God is foolishness to the natural man. The natural man does not like to forgive. The natural man does not like to love strangers. Much more love people in the church. That's why it takes the Spirit of God to forgive and love. Now, now, I want to talk about the misconception first of what is being filled with the Spirit. You know, there are misconceptions about this. And I want to just point out three here um, about feeling of the Spirit. And first one is the feeling of the Spirit is not a sudden emotional high. You know, there's this idea that when you're filled with the Spirit, suddenly you're like, your personality changes. And, and, and sometimes maybe some people think that when the person is filled with the Spirit, the boy, voice changes. And... Brothers and sisters, it becomes there's this thing called the holy voice. 
I, I, I was talking to a person, a friend, one of our friends. Um, he went to seminary. Uh, he, was a, he, he went to uh, a Catholic seminary to become a priest. He told me that they have a class there that they have to train their voice to make them sound holy. Like, like you know, I not, you notice this. There are people, there are preachers. I, don't, I haven't heard from Southern Baptists. Maybe from priests sometimes when they begin to preach, the voice becomes cooler and calmer. They're very solemn. Did you know that it's trained? It's something that they learn. I'm not talking about that, okay? Uh, being filled with the Spirit doesn't happen unconsciously. It's not being mind-controlled by God. Some people think being filled with the Spirit, you suddenly become, oh God, no. Like a robot. God is, is taking control of your mind and you're not anymore yourself. That is not what feeling of the Spirit is. It's not emotional high. It's not a mind control thing where you lose your own personality. That's not how it works. Feeling of the Spirit is not speaking in tongues. You know, some people say the evidence that you're filled with the Spirit because you speak in tongues. That's not true. You don't find that in the Bible. The two cases in the Bible where people were filled with the Spirit and they spoke in tongues. Cornelius and Acts chapter 2 during Pentecost, it was because there was a practical reason why they had to preach in, on a different language. Because the people there did not speak, Hebrew was not their native language. That's why Peter and the disciples, early disciples had to preach in tongues, not just any language here, not just language that's unknown. It's an intelligent language that people understand. It's a real language. So that they can preach to the Phoenicians, to the, to the, you know, to the people from different, different, different places who were in Jerusalem that day. There was a practical reason for the tongues. And even Cornelius, they were not Jews. So they spoke in different languages, in a different language. And if you notice, even John the Baptist, by the way, he was full of the Spirit since birth. But you never heard a verse that says that John the Baptist was speaking in tongues. So speaking in tongues is not evidence that you are filled with the Spirit, nor you can use that as a gauge where a person, you know, is filled or not. Third thing, feeling of the Spirit is not a mental thing. There are people who's going to say, oh, I'm supposed to be filled with the Spirit. God, fill me with the Spirit. Then, then you just say, okay, now I'm filled with the Spirit now. You just try to convince yourself mentally that you are filled with the Spirit, but without life change. That nothing happens with their personality, with their character, with who they are. It's not a mental thing. It's not a mental exercise. So these are the misconceptions. And this, if you have more things you wanted to know about this, we can talk later. But, but these are some of the misconceptions about feeling in the Spirit. It's not emotional high, not speaking in tongues, and not a mental only kind of thing. And one of the things you find out in Scripture that the Spirit... Feeling of the Spirit is a command. If you go back to that passage, it says that be filled with the Spirit. It's a, it's, a, it's a command. It's not a suggestion from God. Therefore, this is not optional. Listen to this. Being filled with the Spirit is not an optional thing for a Christian. You cannot say, oh, I'm, I'm, I don't want to be filled with the Spirit. It's only for those super, super Christians or pastors or maybe, maybe Christians who are very high in their level of the Christian life. That's a lie. That's not the truth. It's for every believer. It's for every believer. It's a command for every believer. 
and, and, and because you cannot live the Christian life without the feeling of the Spirit. You cannot do it. Even reading the Bible is not possible. And the problem with many Christians today, they think that they can live the Christian life without the feeling of the Spirit. That's one issue we see today. And secondly, many Christians don't know what this means. What is this? What is feeling of the Spirit? So let me start with this truth first. Uh, a little bit of theology here. As a Christian, if you are a Christian, a follower of Jesus, you already have the Spirit. You already have the Spirit of God. You have the Holy Spirit of God. Isn't it amazing to think that the Holy Spirit is God Himself? It is His Spirit, the Creator of the universe, and He is in you? He is in you? That's, that's something that's huge. That's very significant. And there's no such a thing as a Christian without the Holy Spirit. So it does not exist. If you think there's a Christian that does not have the Spirit, that's not a Christian. If you are a believer in Christ, a true follower of Christ, a Christian, you have the Holy Spirit in you right now. You have the Holy Spirit in you. Unless you are a false convert or unless you are Judas. You know, you're like Judas. You know, Judas did a good job in faking his Christianity before the other disciples. That's what Judas did for his entire time with Jesus. He was faking it. He was trying to make a show that I'm a Christian, I'm a follower of Jesus, but inside of him he was not. And the disciples, the other disciples were deceived, but Jesus was not. Jesus knew from the beginning that Judas was a fake. He did not have the spirit of God. Now look at this passage here uh, in, in, in Romans, Romans 8, 9 to 10, or 8 to 9. Um, you, however, are not in the realm of the flesh, but are in the realm of the Spirit, talking about you Christians. If indeed the Spirit of God lives in you, of course, he's trying to, to ask you to examine yourself. Do I really have the Spirit? Am I really a believer? That's what Paul is saying here. Then, he said, if anyone does not have the Spirit of Christ, they do not belong to Christ. If anyone does not have the Spirit of God or the Spirit of Christ, they do not belong to Christ. But if Christ is in you, then even though your body is subject to death, um, okay, subject to death because of sin, the Spirit gives life because of righteousness. So meaning that even in your imperfection, even if you've kept on failing as a Christian, even in your struggle with sin and temptation, you have the fullness of the Spirit. The Holy Spirit is not given to you in, in, you know, in, in, in increments or partially. It is fully, 100%. He is fully. By the way, it's a he. It's not an it because the Spirit is a person. The Holy Spirit is a person. And he is given to you in his fullness, 100% fullness as a believer. If you look at the church of Corinth, you remember the, the Corinthians, they were very carnal, immoral. You know, there was this temple there that has thousands and thousands of prostitutes. And, and, and not only that, the city was immoral and there's so much, uh, you know, uh, prostitution going on in the city. Some of the people within the church are involved in those things. They're also involved in immorality. So Corinthian, the Corinthian church 
was, was very, um, you know, sinful church, imperfect church. They had fights and quarrels, division within them. But you know what Paul said about the Corinthians? Um, I have it there, Jimmy. Go ahead. Okay, I went ahead. Uh, Corinthians, 1 Corinthians 6.19, Jimmy. Okay. In, in 1 Corinthians 6.19, this is what Paul said. Imagine the, the people of Corinth, a church of Corinth, how, how immoral they were. He said here, do you not know that your bodies are temples of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have received from God? You are not of your own. Imagine the immorality of the Corinthians. But Paul is saying, you are the temple of God and the Holy Spirit is in you. You know, Paul did not say, hey Corinthians, um, you know the reason why you are sinning because the Spirit is not in you. Or Paul did not say that, hey, Corinthians, the reason you're sinning because you have not received the Holy Spirit. That's not what Paul said here. He says, you are sinning, yes. And you need to know that you have the Spirit in you. Stop doing what you're doing because you are the temple of the Holy Spirit. And you are defiling the Holy Spirit, grieving the Holy Spirit, bringing sorrow to the Holy Spirit whenever you commit sin. Just like what the Corinthians are doing. They are grieving the Holy Spirit. Making the Spirit of God sad within, within them. Because of their sin. Did you know that there is no command in the Bible to be baptized in the Holy Spirit? There is no command for baptism in the Holy Spirit. I know some churches, they, they practice baptism in the Holy Spirit. There is no command for that. We are not commanded to be baptized in the Spirit. We are not commanded to be indwelt with the Spirit. Indwelling of the Spirit is not a command. Sealing of the Holy Spirit is not a command. So you don't pray like, Lord, I pray that your Holy Spirit will get inside into my life uh, to, to indwell me. We don't pray for that. We don't also pray, Lord, seal me with your Holy Spirit. We don't also pray, Lord, baptize me or baptize this person with the Holy Spirit. Because there's no command for that. There's it's not being, uh, you know, we're not being told to do these things. And this is the reason why. Baptize, being baptized in the Holy Spirit, being indwelt by the Holy Spirit, and being sealed by the Holy Spirit, all happens at the day of your salvation. They all happen at the same time, on the day of your salvation. Because these are the realities that happen to a Christian when they accept Christ as Lord and Savior. This is what happen, happens to you when you accept Jesus into, into your life. You know, when a person accepts Christ, the Spirit takes residence in your heart and in your life immediately, automatically. Look at this passage in Romans 4, 6. Because you are His sons, listen to this, you are now a child of God. God sent the Spirit of His Son into our hearts, the Spirit who calls out, Abba, Father. How, do, how, how does a person become a child of God? John 1.12. Who memorized John 1.12? For as many as receive him, who believe in his name, he gave them the right to become. I hope you memorized that passage. As many as receive him, who believe in his name, he gave them the right to become 
Children of God. So you become a child of God when you receive and believe in Jesus Christ. And this passage tells us that once you become a child of God, God sends the Spirit into his, of His Son into our hearts, the Spirit who calls out about Father. The moment you accept Christ, God brings the Spirit within you. Because it is the Holy Spirit that makes you what the Bible calls born again. Because He gives birth to a new human spirit within you. You have a rebirth of your soul, a rebirth of your spirit. When we think of baptism, the Holy Spirit, the word baptism means immerse. So I'm not talking about baptism that we did, we did a couple of Sundays ago with Kayla. I'm not talking about water baptism. I'm talking about what the Bible calls baptism of the Spirit. But if you notice in Scripture, it's not a command. Baptism of the Spirit is like indwelling of the Spirit. It just happens automatically to a believer as well when they surrender their life to Christ. So let me explain. When, when the Bible talks about baptism of the Spirit, it talks about being immersed into the Spirit. The Bible also talks about being baptized into the body of Christ. So baptism of the Spirit is equated to the baptism into the body of Jesus Christ. So what it tells you is that when you are baptized in the Spirit, what happens is you become part of what God calls the church. You are being immersed into the church, into the body of Christ. Whether you're a member of FCF, whether you're not a member of FCF, or, or River Life, sorry, I forgot a little bit. Whether you're a member of a, of a local church like River Life or not, if you became a Christian and you just, you don't have any Christian friends yet, you don't go to any kind of church like this, you are, but you are already part of the, what we call the spiritual church, the invisible church, meaning you are now part of the body of Jesus. All of you, if you're believers, you are part of the body of Christ. In a sense, what we can say is, is think of this big blob, what we call the church. Once you accept Christ, bang, you get into that big blob, what we call the body of Christ. You become a hand, you become a foot, uh, a foot you become a head, you become part of the body of Christ. You are being immersed. And here's the thing, what connects us to one another? As children, as, as, as brothers and sisters in Christ, as a church, it is the Holy Spirit. So in a way, not only that you're immersed into the church, baptized into the body of Christ, you're also immersed into the Holy Spirit. You join in with the church and the Holy Spirit. And third thing, not only that we are not supposed to, you know, these are things that, not, these are not commanded, but happens automatically. One, the last thing is being sealed by the Holy Spirit. Listen to this. Uh, you were included in Christ when you heard the message of the truth, the gospel of your salvation. When you believed, you were marked with him in a seal, of the seal, the promised Holy Spirit. It says there, well, when you were included with Christ, talking about salvation, and then you heard the message, and how did this happen? You heard the message of the truth, the gospel, and you believed the gospel, and that's when you got saved. At the moment of your salvation, the Bible promises us here in Ephesians that you were marked in him with a seal, the promise, Holy Spirit. And the sealing is a promise to every believer that you will not lose your salvation. That whatever God will, will promise to give to each one of you now and in the future, he's going to complete it. He's going to make it happen. That's why we have the Spirit as a seal. It's a guarantee of what God, what God promised to give you in the future. It's, a, it's like an advanced de deposit. 
all the blessings that God has for you. If you read Ephesians chapter 1, I know the Cedar Park Life Group studied, studied Ephesians. And you look at all the spiritual blessings. And God is saying here, Paul is saying here that the Spirit's presence in you will guarantee that all those spiritual blessings that God has promised will be given to you. Whether now or in the future. So you see that, that it, we're not talking about, feel, we're not talking about uh, uh, indwelling. We're not talking about uh, baptism. We're not talking about sealing. What is commanded in scripture is not baptism, sealing, and indwelling. Sorry, I, I just mixed that around. What is commanded is feeling the spirit. So what does it mean to be filled with the spirit? I don't Can you, I lost a slide, but it's okay. Let's just show this one more. Jimmy, can you put out the slide? What does it mean to be filled with the Spirit? Yeah. Okay, good, good. Okay. So what does it mean to be filled with the Spirit? And there are three things. I, I'm going to end in this. I, I, and you're thinking, well, where is this going? Okay. What does it mean to be filled with the Spirit? So let's look at the word filled as defined in the Bible. There are many definitions of filled in the Bible, but these are some of the definitions that are on the top of the list. Of what does it mean to be filled? So, so first, of all, first of all, filled is to be well supplied. So if, if you have a container and, 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 and when you want something in that container, you want a, a container of sugar, so you're going to fill that to the brim. So you can say, I have a filled container. It is well supplied. I have a filled container, filled up. In a car, when you have a full tank, you can say, I'm filled up. My tank is filled up. Um, we were at the, we were, when we were in Boston, we went to the USS Constitution. I really like those kinds of ship, ship because they really look nice, right? The, the older 17th, 18th century kind of ships where there's big sails and, and you know, there's, you have to use ropes. I don't know how to describe this. I'm not a nautical person, but, but to raise those sails, and, and, and when we were there uh, along the shores of the harbor, there were, there were sailboats. You know, in Austin, we do kayak. In Boston, they do sailboats. <laughs> Interesting, different, different kind of uh, activity there. And when you think about being filled, being well supplied, it's think of a sail that's being filled with wind. There's wind in the sail that energizes the ship, that pushes this, the sailboats forward, pushes the ship forward. That's, that's the image of being filled is. You're being filled with, with, with fuel. You're being filled with wind to push you forward. There's power. There's energy that drives the ship forward. Um, when you think of being filled with the Spirit then, you are being energized by God. Your desires, your ambitions, your goals, your actions, how you relate to, to other Christians, to other people, you are being energized by God. There's motivation that comes from God. There's inspiration. There's pressure. There's strength. There's power. Is filled with grief. What does it mean? When somebody is filled with joy, when we say that person is filled with grief. Now think about this. You lost your job and you, and you really love that job and, and you feel you're filled with grief. Is that really being filled with grief? Maybe, maybe not. Because sometimes when you lose your job, you can just think, I'm going to get another job. I'm not, I'm not going to stay grieving for a long time. But what if you lost your husband? What if your, husband, your spouse passed away? Oh, that's a different story. 
briefless 100% or even more. It just consumes you. It just consumes you. That's the image of being filled. Means. Now think about this. You, you, you receive your salary on the 15th. I, I don't know if we still give salary on the 15th. We do here in church. Uh, <laughs> and, and so you're happy to get money. Oh wow, I'm so joyful I get my salary. But after a few seconds, I have bills to pay. You become sad again. Because you realize that the money is not enough for all your expenses. But what if somebody out of the blue, no strings attached, is going to say, Leah, I'm going to give you one million dollars. You do whatever you want to do with it, it's yours. And you're filled with joy because there's this money. And we can finally build, have our own building as a church, right? <laughs> and so, you see the difference? The first one, you're joyful, but you're not filled with joy. First one, you're not you're grieving, but you're filled with grief. So to be totally consumed, meaning your passion, your desires, your longings, your zeal, are all for the matters of God. You're consumed by the desires, the things of Christ, the things of God. You know, in the Bible, when you look at the Book of Acts, one example is the selection of the deacons. You remember Stephen, Stephen the first martyr? Uh, what was one requirement for selecting selecting servants in the book of Acts? The selection of, of, of Barnabas to disciple Paul. What was the criteria? Even the selection of the seven deacons in, in Acts chapter 6. What was the criteria? They should be full of the Spirit. Meaning it's a requirement for serving God. For doing whatever God wants you to do. You need to be full of the Spirit. So, so being filled with the Spirit is not merely asking God fill me with the Spirit. God fill me with the Spirit. It's not merely that. Because here's the thing. God already wants to fill me. So I have a short illustration. And, and just to... So, so here's the reality. The filling of the Spirit is something that God does in your life. And God is... It's God's work. It is His initiative. But the thing is, we have a responsibility. And I think that was the slide I put in earlier. I, I invented this word. It's called being fillable. So you should be fillable. And so think about this cup here. And this is your life. But the thing is, you got all these rocks in here. You think this cup is fillable? So how does one become fillable? How do we become fillable? How can God fill us? Because God really wants to fill you all moment by moment, day to day, with the Spirit. But the thing is, there are things in our lives. Oh, thank you, Dennis. Thank you for your for your uh, initiative. Filled with the Spirit. Uh, so, so how you have all these things in your life? So, what what really is needed? The Bible calls this being yielded to Christ. Or be, in fact, in, in, in Luke 9, 23, we are called to deny ourselves. So how do we get filled with the Spirit? We first need to be fillable. And to be fillable is we need to remove certain things in our lives that hinders the filling of the Spirit. There are rocks in your lives that occupies your life and hinders God from filling. For instance, it could be unforgiveness. 
and you've been carrying this unforgiveness for a long time and you're just holding on to it and it's there a big hindrance feeling for God to fill you. Maybe, maybe the Lord would like to fill you with the Spirit, but only how much, how much water can get into this? Maybe not much. But maybe you spend too much time watching movies or playing video games and you don't have time for prayer and reading the Bible, spending time with God, and it's a big rock there. It's wasting, you're wasting your time on worthless things. I'm sorry for those who are fond of playing video games, but I don't know if you're, it's, maybe if you make monster job, maybe it's something worth. But if you're just spending hours without, nothing, that doesn't add to your character, doesn't add to your relationship with Christ, then it's there, it's a big rock there. But let's say you remove that. You know, sometimes you spend a lot of time on Facebook and it's wasting your time. And other things that consume you, that you're not using it for good purpose. You only feel envy and ingate by watching things online. And it's a big rock there. Maybe you might need to remove that. Maybe lack of humility, you're always proud. Maybe, maybe it could be covetousness. You just want to spend, spend on things that's nice but you don't really need it. You know, there are many sins in your life that you can have your habits, loss, not just physical loss, but even, 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 even loss for material things. Maybe there are things in your life that is dishonorable before God, you need to remove them. You know, it's giving up things in your life that doesn't honor God and doesn't please Him. And once you begin to remove those things little by little, you now become filled And God is able to fill you to the brim. It's really good to feel like this, that you're always full of the Spirit. And anytime there's something, some guilt in your heart, there's some sin in your life, and you just quickly deal with it, address it, and say, Boy, I don't want to do this anymore. Lord, forgive me for this sin. Help me overcome this. And it's a rock that's removed from your heart. And now when you're always empty with all these sinful things, you begin to, God begins to feel you. And what's amazing about being filled with the Spirit is God will bless the most important thing in your life. It is your relationships. Your relationship with God and your relationship with the church. And with relationship with the lost people, with lost people as well. If you go back to our passage in Ephesians chapter, I don't have it on screen, Jamie, but that's okay. Uh, in Ephesians chapter 6, uh, chapter 5, verse 18, it says here, uh, Do not get drunk with wine, but which leads to debauchery, but instead be filled with the Spirit. But in verse 19, it says here, Speak to one another with psalms, hymns, and sprinkled songs. Sing and make music in your heart to the Lord. What happens is your relationship with God gets better. Your relationship with the church gets better. You're able to worship better. You're able to worship God freely. Everything is going to be right. Your relationship with, with non-believers is going to be right. It says here in verse 20, Always giving thanks to God the Father and everything in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. You are thankful. Uh, in, 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 in 21, submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. Ephesians 5.21 It says here that you are humble and submissive to your brothers and sisters in church. There's good relationship within the church. And what's amazing is not only that, you're, you have a good relationship with your husband, with your wives, with your children, if you go on the rest of verse 5, you make use of your time wisely, you make the most of every opportunity, just read the entire chapter 5 there on your own, but there's a lot of amazing, amazing blessing here, especially on the aspect of your relationship with God and others.
And pretty much that's the Christian life, right? This relationship with God matters. By the way, when you're on your program, the entire Christian life can be summed up in that cross and put it on the program. It's called the Disciples' Cross. And, <clears throat> and prayer and God's Word, the vertical part of the cross, talks about your relationship with God. And the horizontal part of the cross, witness and fellowship, talks about your relationship with other people, believers or not believers. And, and, and it summarizes, you know, the entire Christian life, it really boils down to relationship, right? Relationship with God, relationship with others. Because your car, your house, you will not be able to bring it to heaven. Only people. Only people. Okay. In ending, this is my charge for you, challenge for you. Um, my charge for you, I use the word from, message from uh, William Carey. He was the missionary for India, father of modern missions. He said, attempt great things for God, expect great things for God. Let's attempt this. Let's, let's ask the Lord, let's work this out in our life. Remove all those rocks and God, let God fill you. And because God is already is ready to fill you, and He has already given us everything you need to be able to live a Christian life according to His will. And what did He give to us? He gave us Himself. That's what God gave us. He didn't just give us the Bible. He didn't just give us the church. He didn't just give us some brother or sister to encourage you. He actually gave us His very Self which is the Holy Spirit. And ending those two verses that Sean read earlier in our passage, uh, in, in uh, Ephesians, uh, in 1 Corinthians 2.12, what we have received is not the Spirit of the world, but the Spirit who is from God, that we may understand what God has freely given us. We are able to do what God wants us to do. Understand what God wants us to understand, because He has given us the Spirit. We must be willing to be filled and remove all those rocks in your life that keep, keeps God from feeling you. And, and like, Sean, you didn't read this last line. Yes. It's a very important line. We have the mind of Christ. That's why, as believers, you can attempt great things for God and you're going to expect great things from God. Attempt to read the entire, read the entire Bible. Attempt to share the gospel to people who are lost. Attempt to, to serve God in whatever ministry. Because you have the mind of Christ. You have the mind of Christ. You know, when we started the church, it was just an attempt. We say, okay, let's start the church. And, 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 and later on, we agreed with what God was leading us to do. Uh, it started with just Rella, myself, and his family, and Irwin, and Ariel, Suzette. You know, we just made it, initially we were not sure if this is something we wanted to do when we started. Then we just made a decision. And the, and the kids back then, or our youth, basically, our children's ministry back then, was pretty much just Josh and Kayla. That was our children's ministry. Josh and Kayla. We were this small, this small. And, and so, and now, wow, God has brought all you here. Amen. And it was an attempt, and we don't know where it's going to lead. Then now, God is doing something great, right? Because why we have the mind of Christ? And because of that, we have this, because we have the Spirit. Let us pray. Father God, Lord, I thank you for your word, Lord. Lord, there's so much to talk about today, Lord. I pray that my brothers and sisters will be able to retain this, Lord. Lord, I truly believe that they will be able to retain this, Lord. 
Because you said in your word, O oh God, that Lord, your spirit, one of his purpose, Lord, is to remind us of all truth, Lord. And I truly believe that in the proper time, O oh God, you will remind them of these things, O oh God. Bring this back to their mind. Bring this back to their heart. And remind them that this is something that they've heard and they learned from you, Lord. Lord, I pray that we will be willing, Lord, to, to let go, to deny of the things that hinders your feeling, Lord. That we will be yielded to you, Lord God. That every day, Lord God, we will always give to the things, do the things that, that, that allows us to hold on to you. To spend time with you. To pray, spend time in your word. To fulfill your commands, Lord. But at the same time, remove those things in our lives that hinder your feeling, Lord. So that you can just feel us, Lord. Lord, I ask, Lord, for the willingness of everyone here, Lord. A heart that is willing, Lord, to surrender fully to you. We desire a church of God, our prayer for this church, that we are a church of God, that, that you are able to use, O oh God, mightily, Lord, for whatever purpose. A church that you are able to use for great things, O oh God. Not just the church as a whole, but Lord, each one here, Lord, you will be able to use for great purposes, O oh God. Maybe here, maybe it might be in Austin, or maybe outside of Austin, Lord, or a mission work, Lord, or even in, our, in, in the places where we are in each day, Lord, school or work. That use us for great things, O oh God. But Lord, help us to be willing to be used by you, by being filled by your Spirit, Lord. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you. Lord, as we end our time together, Lord, here, oh Lord, ask your blessing upon our fellowship, Lord. Lord, you commanded us to hold on to fellowship, Lord. And these are one of the things that we do, Lord, to hold on to you. To fellowship with one another, to get to know one another, Lord, support one another, Lord, encourage one another, to love one another, Lord. So bless the time of fellowship that we will do this exactly, Lord. Well, Lord, bless the rest of our week as well, Lord, that you, you empower our sails, O God. Give us that wind, O God, that will drive us forward in your kingdom, Lord. Lord, inspire us to do, make use of our time wisely. That we will not waste a moment, O oh God, this week, O oh God, on worthless things, O oh God, but on things that has eternal significance, eternal value, that has eternal, O oh God, that brings you glory, O oh God. And Lord, help us to make use of the, our time on such things, Lord. Lord, fill our, our fuel tanks, O oh God, with your strength, with your power, Lord. Lord, even as we leave this church, Lord, Lord, encourage us. Allow us to know that there is something that you called us to do. And when you do this, Lord God, we will see greater and greater things from you, Lord. But give us the willingness to do this, Lord. It's a small sacrifice, Lord. It's a small sacrifice. Compared to the sacrifice that you did at the cross, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Your grace and power be upon us, Lord. Not just today, but for the rest of our lives. In Jesus' name.